The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Money in Your Life, the radio program that gives you the insight and motivation to be more successful with all aspects of your personal finances. Your hosts are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Today's program will feature experts and intriguing ideas that will show you how money is actually operating in your life. Now, here are Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. Good morning and welcome to Money in Your Life, a weekly show about the influence of money in your life. I'm Brian Farr. And I'm Ann Hutchins. And I saw the results from a recent Gallup poll that really got my attention. 52% of all full-time workers in America are not involved in, enthusiastic about, or committed to their work. Gallup also estimates that actively unhappy workers cost the U.S. approximately $450 billion each year. This is due to high absenteeism and turnover, quality control issues, and lost productivity. You know, the reason this, these numbers got my attention is that most people bring money into their lives through the activity of their paid employment. When over half the people in this country are unhappy at their work, that unhappiness has a major impact on the money in their lives. Oh, Brian, you know, you're right. And those numbers are pretty sobering. I talk to young people who are concerned about their futures, and part of that concern is how they'll fit into the workforce. They, they may be working in uh, hourly paying jobs that aren't even close to related to their passion and not have a view to how they're going to get to something that will make them happy and fulfilled. I also yeah. have clients who are retired and they really want to engage in meaningful activities to make up for some of the ongoing unhappiness over the life of their work careers. You know, this desire to be engaged in our work is really important to people across the lifespan. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. And today's guest is going to talk to us about this. Meredith Elliott Powell is an expert on success in today's economy. Meredith has an exceptional business background that gives her the experience to provide timely, realistic guidance to both individuals and organizations. She's a coach, consultant, author, and nationally recognized speaker. Meredith, welcome to Money in Your Life. Thank you. I am looking forward to being here today and looking forward to this discussion. Yes, and we've been looking forward to having you here on the show. These numbers, these numbers, you know exactly where I got them. These are important numbers to you. Yes. You know, one thing that's even more interesting about those numbers is that they expect, um, you know, even with all companies are trying to do around employee engagement, the numbers of disengagement uh, percentages are just expected to rise. In the next uh, few years, they're supposed to go as high as 87% of the workforce disengaged. Wow. Yeah, that is, that is a scary wow. number. That's a, that, is, that is huge. I, I was shocked when I looked at it, too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And wow. it's just so. So what do we do with this? How do we how I know that you do a lot of work with organizations and you mm-hmm. also work with individuals. And so today, let's let's stay focused more on the individual piece of this. What can individuals do to address this? How can how can they bring engagement into their life? And, and like I said in the beginning, people we depend on our incomes to to, yeah. you know, for security, for stability, for all of that. So this is a really important topic. You know, I think that I think the one thing that is shutting us down in this economy, as I look at whether I'm working with individuals or I'm working with professionals, is uh, because we are living in literally we are living in what is known as uncertain times. Okay, this isn't a good economy. It's not a tough economy. It's an uncertain economy. Mm-hmm. And being human beings, the one thing that we don't like is uncertainty. Uncertainty, mm-hmm. uncertainty brings about fear. And somehow with all of this uncertainty and all of this fear, we have gotten the idea that we are out of control of what is going on when that really couldn't be further than the truth. There are certainly are a lot of things that we cannot control, but there are a lot of things that we that we can um, that we can control. And to, okay. to move our energies and our focus into what we can control is where the power lies. Okay, so there's there's going to be a piece in here that 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 experience of uncertainty can start to immobilize us. Yeah. And if we feel immobilized, we're not even going to recognize what control it is, where we can put our efforts. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's interesting because I've been doing a lot, of, um, a lot of research and a lot of work lately in the area of um, relationships related, related to, a, to a book that, um, that I'm working on. And let me back all the way up and, and explain this economy a little bit, you know, is that Literally, we have gone through an economic shift. We have moved out of what is called a push economy and moved into what is called a pull economy. And rather than go through Econ 101, I will just tell you that a pull economy means that we as consumers, crazy as it sounds, we're in control. Whether you are a consumer or you are an employee, believe me, shocking as this sounds, you are in control of what is going on. Um, I mean, when you think about the fact that globalization, advancements in technology, and increased competition, we could all be sitting in our offices, our homes, Google until our heart is content, order, buy, and have delivered anything we want, whenever we want it, wherever we want it. So what people are trying to sell us has become a commodity. How they sell it has become the competitive advantage. And what that means for us as consumers, if we don't like the price, if we don't like the service, if we don't like the way we are being treated, we can move on. And that is the same for an employee. Once you realize you have moved into the position of control, take responsibility for your own actions, you put the power firmly back in your seat. Wow. Okay. So this is it's you're speaking about a shift mm-hmm. where people realize that that let's stay with the employee side of it first. Sure. That that the employer needs you. Ah, this is gonna be a hard sell for some people, I think. Absolutely. Um, you know, years ago let me let me walk through the first the, the three steps that I believe you need to understand if you want to become an employee that your company strives to keep. Okay? okay. 
Um, and, and I consult with companies all over the country, all over the world. And believe me, a good employee is hard to find. You can find people who need to work, but a good employee is hard to find. And there's a couple of reasons for that. Is One, we have become, with uncertainty and fear in the workplace, drama has, be, has gone on steroids in the workplace. Because either people feel like they're afraid they're going to lose their job one moment, or the second, you know, or the next one is they feel like they're being asked to do too much. So first of all, get your head out of that sand and, and adopt these three steps. Understand that attitude is everything. If you sit at the top of the game, if you sit at the executive level and ask them the one thing that they are looking for in an employee today, it's an employee with a great attitude. Now, 10 years ago, that was experience or skill set. The reason it's a great attitude today is because what you are hired to do today is not necessarily what you're going to be doing five years from now. So employers are looking for somebody who adapts to change, has a positive attitude, and a passion and a desire to be at work. And here's okay. the great news. You can control your attitude. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yep. And, um, and if, you, if you go into the workplace right now, but the thing that CEOs, executive leaders are looking for are, are employees with a great attitude. You, you adjust your attitude to be positive and open to change, and I promise you not only is your employer going to want to hold on to you, but they're also they're, they're going to be looking to promote you, and you're going to be desired by um, by other employers. Coming yeah, behind, it becomes yeah. contagious. <laughs> it com- completely. And, you know, think about this. With all that executives and business owners need to be dealing with right now, um, you know, the pressure, the stress of everything, how much do we all, whether you're an individual going in to be waited on at a, at a business or somebody, how valuable is somebody who just has a great attitude these days, upbeat, has positive energy? Mm-hmm. You know, there's a there's a piece. Is there? Are you? What you're saying to me sounds like the attitude is that you're that the employee is there to contribute something, not Com- take something away. Completely, completely, okay. completely. Somehow we have gotten into our society that um, a more of an entitlement attitude. Mm-hmm. That that our you know our company owes us something, or you know you shift your mindset to become a positive attitude and a giver, and you're going to work forever because that is becoming harder and harder and harder to find. And, yeah. and entitlement comes when we begin to feel powerless. Don't, don't feel powerless. Don't be afraid of the uncertainty of this economy. You give and you will receive. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm in agreement with you on that. Okay, so let me loop back. Now, you said there are three factors to be a good employee, mm-hmm. okay. Attitude is one. The second is ownership. Ownership. Uh huh. And what I mean by ownership is, I work with a lot of um, high potentials in companies. Then, uh, what high potential means is that um, leadership has identified them as somebody who has future with a company. And when I work with when I work with employees inside a company, one of the biggest pieces that I hear is that um, I wish I had a mentor. I wish I had a leader. I wish I had somebody who would invest 
in in telling me how to be successful. I'm not exactly sure what I'm supposed to do in order to contribute to this company. And my response to that is always, I hear you, you're absolutely right, but if you work for one or two great bosses in your life who truly invest in you, then you are among the 5% of people. Don't wait for somebody to tell you how to be successful in your position. Go to your boss and ask. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's ex- that's excellent. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's go to the th- that's that one. Let's get the third one down, so then we can work with all three of these. The third is relationships. Relationships are a touchy feely thing that have been way undervalued in our society, both on the personal level and on the professional level. But believe me, if I'm sitting around an executive uh, table trying to determine who to who to lay off. The last person I want to lay off is the person who has a strong connection to my customer base and a person who has a strong connection and relationships with other people inside the organization. I want to cause as little disruption as possible for a number of reasons, but one, because disruption impacts the bottom line. And so you need to take it upon yourself to build relationships both with customers, clients of your um, organization, as well as inside the company. You mm-hmm. need to have friends. You need to invest in helping other people be successful. You need to manage yourself up and make sure that, that people who are, um, make decisions in the company know, know who you are and what you uh, contribute. And then you also need to manage down and make sure that you invest in other people being successful. But relationships are key. So attitude, ownership, and relationships. You invest Brilliant. your energy there. You will become the employee that companies strive to keep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That well, is, yeah. And what do you think of that? Well, I, you know, I, there are so many thoughts that are going through my head. But I, can I combine two of these and bring them back to uh, to to maybe this conversation around money and choices mm-hmm. for individuals? Because you know, I was so struck with your statement that consumers are in control, and mm-hmm. so many times clients come to financial coaching or financial counseling because they're feeling out of control. So they go to a quote unquote expert. And then you take these three steps, attitude, ownership, and responsibility. And that's a pretty significant shift for a lot of the clients that I see. Mm -hmm. You know, they have choices around their money. They have choices around what they're, how they're going to show up, whether it's in the workplace or, or outside and it for a lot of people it does come down to protecting their protecting or increasing their money mm-hmm. so is that too far off the track no actually i mean no everything that um everything that you're saying is i just i think is is the most powerful message right now because I, I'm really trying to figure out exactly when the shift started to happen in um, in our culture. But somehow we be, we decided to, both personally and professionally, you know, put me in front of an expert and an expert must have the answer. Yeah. And so for years we had to do what the doctor told us, what the financial advisor told us, what the accountant told us, what everybody, banker told us, everybody else told us to do. But the shift in this economy, the very fact that information and choices are at a touch of a button, 
we are empowered to get the information that we need in order to own our choices and ask the questions. You know, it's that you feel powerless and helpless, but the truth is you're not. Get the attitude that you want to contribute rather than take. You want to help other people succeed, help, um, help a company succeed, and you want to work closely with your um, financial advisor. At the same point, at the same um, place, back that up, though, with ownership. Don't expect the expert to have all the answers and everything. Go in there saying, this is the vision I have. This is what I want. I need to understand how we're going to, um, you know, how we're going to get there. Question yeah. what they do. If you're not happy, move on. And then beyond that, really building relationships. Relationships are so powerful because if one source of how um, you're being taken care of, whether inside a company or with a financial advisor, isn't necessarily working out, you want to have a choice, of, you know, a, another option um, to go to. Wow, that is really great. I We're going to have to take a break here, but let's bring it up back on the other side of the break because this is really powerful for people to hear. Yeah. Uh, so we'll bring it back and maybe we'll talk about some tools for people to use. Great. So we do need to pause for a break. We'll be back in just a minute with our guest, Meredith Elliott Powell. If you'd like to join our conversation, please do join us at 866-472-5790 or email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host Brian Farr, and you have money in your life. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfar.com. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. 
You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Brian Farr with my co-host, Ann Hutchins, and our guest, Meredith Elliott-Powell. Let's see. Today we're talking about, I think I'd, if I was to put it to one word, it's engagement. How to be more effectively engaged, uh, not just at work, but in all areas of our life. Um, before we jump back into it, I want to bring attention to Mer- uh, Meredith's book. It's called Winning in the Trust and Value Economy. And once again, winning in the trust and value economy, and it can be found at Amazon most easily. And Meredith, is the can people go to the book and learn more about the three points you just described, attitude, ownership, and relationships? Absolutely. And in addition, they can understand more about how this economy has changed, why this economy has changed, what exactly that means, and, um, and what that means for them as a consumer and an employee. Okay. Okay. So let's let's talk some specifics about tools. How can people improve their skills in these three important areas: attitude, ownership, and relationships? You know, actually, what I love about these steps is um, is they're so simple, and the tools that go with them are so simple. The first thing that that you need to do is to own up to the fact that all of these are a choice. Mm-hmm. And so that is the first piece is really making that paradigm shift in, in, in your head, personally and professionally, if I am happy, if I am successful, if I am um, achieving the things that I want to achieve, I am truly the only person who can impact um, 100% whether that happens or whether that doesn't. So it really begins with, um, I know that sounds so um, so simple, but it was really once I realized that I could t- take control of what was happening both professionally and personally with me, I was like, wow, why didn't somebody tell me this when I was six years old? Why didn't they teach me this in the first yeah. grade? Yeah. So, so can can I jump? Can I ask? Yes. If, forgive me yes. if this is too personal. It sounds like there was something dramatic that happened for you that you really got this. The choice is is the key ingredient. Yes, it was. Um, uh, I, uh, you know, professionally, um, I was in a situation where I was trying to work my way up the um, up the corporate ladder. And um, I believed that if I worked really hard in this pool of 100,000 people that worked for this company, that the powers on high didn't have anything better to do but to notice how hard Meredith Elliott Powell was working, and they would then come down and promote her and move her up the executive ladder. And when that didn't happen, um, I was shocking as it was, they had other things to do. I I did I went the typical um, route and became very um, passive aggressive, disengaged at work, you know, talking to other people about you know how unfair things were, the big water cooler thing, and then I happened to be talking with a mentor of mine, complaining that you know I never get noticed, I never get this, you know, so and so's got the country club membership, all I get is more work, and he looked at me and he <laughs> said, so why don't you ask? for what you need. Oh, <laughs> wow. Yep. And he happened yep. to hit me at the right time that I was open to it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, there's a concept. Right. I yeah, want right. something and I asked for it. And I went to my boss and had that conversation in a very professional way. And, you know, 
it had never even occurred to him that he wasn't giving me what it needed to be to be successful. And that's what it occurred. That's when I realized that, wow, all I have to do is to open my mouth, you know, first be somebody that somebody would want on their team, open my mouth to ask for what I want, and then take the responsibility to, um, to really follow through and, and be a heavy contributor. It was just such a pivotal thing that it, I, I really, I, I can see the day so, so clear in my mind right now. I went yeah. from feeling powerless to going, the world is my oyster, whether it's yeah, personal yeah. or professional. I really um, can, you know, can, can make it what I want. You know, Meredith, this is reminding me of a number of different programs we've had in the last couple of months mm-hmm. that in we talk with folks who are financial advisors and work work a lot around the financial topic. And it seems that lots of people fall into the same trap that you were in of waiting for the boss, waiting for the higher ups to give the information to you, to give you the acknowledgement you need to, whatever it might be, rather than reaching out and asking. And people do that with their investment advisors. People don't get engaged as fully as, you know, they don't make the choice to show up in in the Mm -hmm. way that's really necessary. Mm -hmm. And that that really speaks to this second piece of ownership. You know, whether it be at work or whether it be with your um, financial advisor or any service provider that you've got, sit down and make, set your goals. What do you want from, you know, from this person? What do you want from this organization? What questions do you need um, to ask around that? And then what do you need to bring to the table to make it happen? Don't wait for your investment advisor to decide that you, you need X amount to retire. Don't wait for them to ask you the question. Yeah, in a perfect world, we all would have the perfect financial advisor and the perfect boss, and those executives sitting hundreds of miles away from me would have looked down and seen how hard I was working. Yeah. We do not live in a perfect world. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, it was even um, – um, in my, with my financial advisor, I just had this conversation. I went in and I said, um, I said, I think I want to be a bit safer with my investments. And she pushed back a little and said, you know, you're fairly young. You could be more aggressive. And I said, I understand that. But given where I am and what makes me sleep at night, I, I need you to pull back unless you can give me good reasons that will keep me asleep at night. She couldn't. So yeah. we went my direction. But my, if I hadn't told her I can't sleep at night based on the risk we're taking with my money, it's not her job to be inside my head. So you have to show up with ownership. And you should really be, you should spend some quiet time getting some clarity in your mind about your goals and then putting some questions about that and then taking responsibility to say, I'm willing, I'm going to walk into that meeting and not wait for them to run it. I, I'm going to bring some things to the table. And I venture to say, your financial advisor and your boss, whichever it's going to be, are going to love that. They want to be your partner. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Meredith, what you're saying really important in in all the cases. The first is clarity. The other thing that you that you mentioned in in recounting your conversation, which I think is really important for a lot of people, is the whole. Not the notion, the reality of safety. What makes me feel safe? And the question you want to ask is, what have I got to lose? Mm-hmm. You know. So, and then how do I make myself 
feel safe in getting what I want. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I, oh, absolutely. You know, the um, you know, you're we we want to turn all of the um, responsibility over to the expert. And first of all, that's too much for the expert um, to shoulder. The other is nobody cares as much as we do. And I'm not putting any expert down out there, but nobody cares about my money and my investments more than I do. Right. And so, and so I need to step to the plate as much as I do with help with my doctor. I trust my doctor. I believe in my doctor. It doesn't mean I'm not at home at night on Google or getting a second opinion or anything. So, you know, part of it is, I think, having the confidence to step in to say, I'd like a second opinion, or like I did, to push back and say, I appreciate the advice, but for me, this isn't right right now, and, and, and to get comfortable doing that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So important. So attitude and ownership. And can we talk a little bit about relationships and how what what you talk about whether it's in the workplace or or for those who live in the virtual work world uh relationships and forming relationships virtually mm-hmm. can you talk about that yeah there's um you know in the workplace and and I am going to speak some about for the individuals dealing with uh with financial uh advisors. Uh, relationship in, in, in essence is what I'm talking about is, is the touchy feely. It's, it's emotional connection. And there's, um, there, there is power in, in emotional connection. For us personally, we're going to be healthier, wealthier, and happier with, um, emotional connection. But with my service providers, I have gone beyond the, um, the just, you know, static professional relationship and really worked in getting, taking the responsibility to myself and getting to know them on a personal level. And the reason for that is um, because I want them to feel loyal to me, responsible for me, and emotional connection for me. Mm-hmm. Statistically speaking, from a business perspective, if you have a relationship culture, this means for an individual with their service providers or inside a company, if you have this relationship culture, um, you statistically, your um, your business will perform better because people feel bonded, and when they feel bonded, they work harder, they work, they partner with you stronger. Now, again, I'm going to go back up to this ownership piece. We all sit there and go, well, I wish people had a relationship with me. Don't yeah. do that. Take mm-hmm. relationship responsibility on yourself. Make a list of who you ought to have relationships with, whether it's inside your company or whether it's, you know, or whether you are retired and, and it's with your service providers. The squeaky wheel gets the grease. And remember that. Go beyond. And if people feel an emotional bond for you with you, they'll work harder for you. Now, they may not even realize they're working less hard for somebody they don't have um, an emotional connection with. But, you know, um, but the statistics show that we answer emails faster, return phone calls faster, um, and go the extra mile for people we feel a connection with and a relationship with. So in starting with that point, you know, it's understanding in order for you to be successful as you need to be, who do we need to have relationships with? And then go out there and form them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Boy, this is something that, um, you know, the relationships over the years, there's been a lot of material about salespeople trying mm-hmm. to establish those relationships. And what you're saying is to flip that and, and that the person who needs the service, the person who wants whatever it is that the, that, that organization or that individual is offering, to take the initiative and really establish a connection with them. Absolutely. You know, again, in a perfect world, my, um, my financial advisor, my banker, my CPA, and my uh, attorney would all be inviting me out to dinner to do things. My husband and I didn't wait on that. Every single one of those individuals have been to our house to a dinner party. Um, have um, We invite them um, to parties and things. We have done far more of the outreach to include them in our personal life then the flip of that is true. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what we've got is a family of financial professionals who work very hard for us. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's very yeah. nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the other important things that you're saying is that you've, you've given your team the whole view of who you are yeah. rather than just the once a year show up and talk about your account. You mm-hmm. have let them you've introduced yourself to them as a whole person and they have responded in kind. Mm-hmm. I, absolutely. I know this is really going to come as a shock, but CPAs, bankers, and financial advisors and people who work with numbers aren't always the really most touchy feely people. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> and they go to seminars about building relationships and things. And some of them excel at them and some of them struggle. And what I'm saying is don't sit there and and wait on them. I mean, I really believe that every professional went in to do what they're doing because they have the best interests of their clients at heart. And so understand that and take that at face value and reach out and include them in in your life. Any relationship that you want in your life you take responsibility. Don't go out and have coffee with your friend and say, well, my CPA never calls me. I know. Yeah, that's exactly it. It doesn't do the CPA any good if your friend knows, right? Exactly. Yeah, and, you know, the real problem with it is, okay, I mean, even if I said, you know, go complain, go tell everybody how awful it is, the real problem with it is your life doesn't change. And that's what we're after is our own personal success. If I allow you to whine all over the place, you're exactly where you were when you started whining. If I tell you to go out and just reach out and begin to build a connection, you move forward. And that's what we're talking about is getting in control of our own lives, not putting the power out, bringing the power in. This comes back to the first of the three points is the the attitude. This is of making a choice to have a positive attitude, yeah. making a choice to take actions that that reach out and, and develop relationships, mm-hmm. and not allow ourselves to to slide back into the oh poor me and it'll come if I just wait here or any of that kind of nonsense. Exactly, and you know it's so simple to say, but it's more difficult to do because all all over our society, watch television for one hour and watch how many commercials tell you that you're a victim. My favorite yeah. one is this one for some kind of diet pill, and it says you have weight around your middle, and the next line out it says, "Well, don't worry, it's not your fault." And I'm like, "You thought you're fat around the middle? It is your fault, you know." And, <laughs> Because because all of the messages coming back to us 
or that we are powerless or that we aren't in control. And that's what I love about the simplicity of these three steps. Follow just these three steps and you're going to get back on top of that. You know, there's a piece of these. These three steps are, are countercultural in a certain mm-hmm. sense because that so much of the, the advertising, in order to sell a service – or to sell a product, they need to convince us that we have a need or convince right. us that something's not right in our life, but they have the answer. And what these three are saying is, no, start with yourself first. Figure out what what it is you have, and then if there's some things missing, go out and specifically get those and know that that's what you need. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a real it's a real it's a message of of uh, genuine empowerment that you're that you're bringing here. Absolutely. That's why I say it really ought to be taught in the first grade. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I mean, it's just that it's, um, you know, I think from from um, from that standpoint. And I did I did want to address I don't know if we have time before another break. So we can talk about it after if we don't. But um, but you would ask me about virtual relationships. And let's let's come back to that after the break. I'll jump in right there because we do need to stop for a minute. And so if you hold that thought, we'll come right back to it on on virtual. And because it's so important, so many of the relationships we have with people are now – they're not over a coffee. They're not at the desk right next to us. And so learning how to to create these kinds – to bring these three things into our virtual life is going to be important too. Right. So now we're going to take a break. We'll be back in just a minute with Meredith Elliott Powell. And uh, if you would like to join our conversation – please call 866-472-5790. Or you can email us at moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. I'm Brian Farr with my co-host, Ann Hutchins. You have money in your life. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. Do you have financial goals for yourself? Do you want to be smart with money in all areas of your life? If you're ready to become more effective with your personal finances, then you might be ready to hire a financial coach. Since 2002, Brian Farr has helped hundreds of people improve their relationship with money. He's unbiased, honest, and approachable. If you'd like to learn more about financial coaching, visit Brian's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.brianhfarr.com. The goal of financial coaching is to open up the conversation around money with your spouse, your children, or your extended family. Ann Hutchins works with individuals, families, and financial professionals to improve relationships with money. Her work with clients is confidential, honest, and fun. Visit Ann's website and schedule a free 15-minute consultation at www.abhutchins.com. That's abhutchins.com. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to Money in Your Life with Brian Farr and Ann Hutchins. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5790. That's 1 866 472 5790. 
You may also send an email to moneyinyourliferadio at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Ann Hutchins with my co-host, Brian Farr, and our guest today is Meredith Elliott Powell. Meredith, before the break, you were going to talk to us about creating relationships if you work in a virtual way or virtually or if you work virtually i guess you would say that better can you can you share some of those tips um yeah and you had asked about this and i'm so glad that you brought it up because because the whole idea of how to build uh virtual relationships is is so important and so key and and it's something that i don't really believe that that people have addressed i mean to to keep it simple i'm going to say it's really not that different from building relationships um, in person. Unfortunately, most people treat it differently. We tend to push in virtual relationships rather than, um, than pull. Remember that a relationship is about a connection. And when somebody connects with you, they begin to, um, to trust you. So if you are working with, um, you know, just as if you walked into a room, that should be what you have in your mind when you begin to build a virtual uh, relationship. So it, when you walk into a room, you wouldn't just walk into a room and say, hi, I'm Meredith Elliott Powell. I'm great. You should do business with me or you should listen to everything that I say. No, you'd walk in. I hope you wouldn't do that. You would walk into <laughs> a room and you would reach out and want to learn about other people first. Mm. Yeah. So a virtual relationship is is uh, is the exact same thing. Whether you're working in a virtual team, or whether you're you know you are in um, Florida dealing with an investment advisor in New York, right. you want to um, you want to build relationship. You want to um, learn about them. You want to do it exactly as you would do it in person. The other is, um, is again, it's that, it's that ownership piece. A lot of people say, well, I sent somebody an email and they didn't respond. If you need an answer, if you need to find out something, then you need to take the responsibility to continue to reach out. I'm also going to say with that, I've got a three email rule. Once something is split back and forth three times in email, it's time to pick up the phone because yeah. virtual doesn't really doesn't solve, um, you know, really doesn't solve uh, everything. I deal quite a bit um, virtually, and some of my closest friends are people that I've never ever met in um, in person. But it mm-hmm. should be that combination of some of it online, and but don't give up the telephone. There's a lot to be said for um, for uh, for conversation. Mm-hmm. Meredith, what's your your sense of the uh, the visual virtual so Skype or FaceTime or the the things that are available? It seems like we're going to be having more and more of those as bandwidth becomes more accessible. Mm-hmm. I think I think they're um, fantastic. My um, my eighty five year old mother is um, unfortunately has um, has Alzheimer's. And she, you know, has to be in a secure unit. Well, the um, nurse there, she's 30 minutes away from me, and I travel quite a bit for a living. And um, if I'm traveling, the nurse there puts my um, mother on Skype, and I, oh. I can talk to her. And mm-hmm. and um, and I think it's incredibly powerful to be able to put a name with a face. I mean, everything inside you softens, and, mm-hmm. and that's what, and you know, and really, that's what you're looking for is is that you know, is that connection. When you are nothing but an email to me, 
I people are vulgar. They say things, you know, that 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 they don't want to say, and, and things like that. And versus when you begin to bring it in from a standpoint of if you can add face to it or, or or things like that, just remember, build relationship first, go for business second. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's a really good. Yeah. That's a really good uh that's really good advice and I I bring us back to the conversations that we have with clients a lot around relationship values and their team. You know, find people that you want to work with, that you like to work with, that you trust. They could be in in New York if you're in California. And if you trust them, that's okay. Mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think one of the most interesting things about um, about this economy is I work a lot in the in the financial services sectors with um, financial service providers, bankers, and and CPAs. And you know, five to ten years ago, when I worked with um, people in that industry, they were looking for somebody with experience first. Mm-hmm. Now, what they're looking for, even CPAs, which this really blows my mind, is they're looking for somebody that shares the company values. If they're if mm-hmm. they're very uh, if they're very client focused or customer focused, they're looking for somebody who um, who shares their who shares their values. And I always always phrase it to people um, like, uh, you know, you can marry absolutely anybody. But a marriage is a lot easier when it's somebody, when you share the same values on, you know, on money, on religion, on things like that. You want to do the same with business. Yeah, and okay. so, and okay. if somebody doesn't share your values, whether it be an employee, employer, or a service provider, it's not that they're bad. You just don't have the same values. So have the confidence and take the ownership to move on because it's going to be a smoother relationship. Meredith, when you... You do a lot of work across different sectors, and like, um, yeah, let's just go with that rather than focusing it on one. Do you feel that there's a difference in the generations if if thirty somethings compared to fifty somethings to just grab two decades? Mm-hmm. If is there a difference in in a willingness to embrace this values economy as you're uh, as you're describing it, and and to engage with their employer along these values lines? Or do you feel it's kind of the same across the age span? Um, I'm going to answer that um, two ways. Is one, I believe that at the end of the day, no matter what age we are, we all want the same thing. We want to be um, heard. We want to be respected. We want to be valued. We, you know, we want to be remembered. So everybody wants to feel that they matter, that they have a voice, that, um, that they have a say in what's going on. Everybody is like that. So if you design a culture like that, everybody will be successful. The difference comes in that the baby boomer generation um, just, you know, jobs, they come from a heavily competitive world, and jobs were not easy to come by. And so they tend to, and they watch their parents work for companies for 50 and 60 and 70 years, you know. So they tend to stay in the game. Younger people... Um, don't believe they're going to have a job for life. Watch their parents get laid off. Watch things, have watched things happen. If they don't like the environment, they'll move on. Boomers were raised in a time when they had to tough it out. Nobody was, you know, not even their parents were saying you can move back home. 
younger people were raised with more of a helicopter parent who were like, you know, my parents were tough on me, so I don't want you to have to, you know, live in a bad place. You can, you can move home and, and live with us. And so mm-hmm. they're a little more willing to jump and to move on. And they need more attention at work. They need more mentoring because they were of parents who really got involved in their lives. Boomer yeah, parents didn't. And so I believe at the end of the day, if you build a culture, everybody wants the same thing. Boomers will tolerate what younger folks won't tolerate. Okay. All right. That's an interesting distinction, and I, I, I can't disagree with that. It's mm-hmm. that the foundation is the same, but the approach is going to be mm-hmm. a bit different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, um, I'm, I'm 50, and, um, and so I'm at the very edge of the boomers. Well, I was very much – my brothers and sisters are older than me. I was raised with parents who pretty much said, figure it out on your own. We love you. We care about you, but go outside at 8 o'clock in the morning, and we'll see you for dinner. <laughs> that, sparks, that sparks an independence. Yeah. Today, everything they do is structured. Everything they do is structured. It's mm-hmm. taken away independence of thinking. So when they enter the workforce, you know, to them it's like joining a soccer team, and the coach is going to show up and tell you how to do everything. <laughs> and, and That's so, a really and, good analogy. Yeah, it is. So we joke about soccer moms. Yeah. But there's yeah. kids who grew up on those soccer teams, and they have been attended. They've been attended to, and it's easy to dismiss that. And and what yeah. I'm hearing so clearly, and what you're saying is, it's not about dismissing. It's a different style, and so exactly, exactly. It can be it's not to say though. I mean, a boomer still would. I mean, you know, if I asked somebody in the workforce, how would you like it if you had a mentor and somebody really cared about whether you made it in this organization or not? I don't care what age you are. That sounds really good. And if I'm going to say, we want you to have a voice and a say in what's going on, any age you are, you want that. But whether you get it or not, a boomer will tough it out because that's how they were raised. They got their, their knee skinned and their dad said, you cry, you're not a man. You know, a, a little a kid, you know, an X or, or a Y got their, you know, their, um, their, you know, their knee skinned and they got a bumper sticker that my, you know, my kid got their skin in their knee skinned and, and survived, you know what I mean? And they, got a, and they got a cake at a party. So we don't want the same thing, but what we'll tolerate is, di- is different and it's given very much in, in, you know, in the way that we were raised. You have to be mindful of the differences, but I argue that a culture fits us all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's right. And, it, it, you know, we bring it back to this conversation around around money. Right. Mm-hmm. So the boomers have a boomers and what we've been through have a different view of what will where we are. And the um, the younger the millennials X, Y are looking out and saying, well, it is uncertainty. It is mm-hmm. uncertain, mm-hmm. but they're more willing to try to tweak things and get to something that works, at least mm-hmm. some that, mm-hmm. that I have talked about. Mm-hmm. Talk right. to. They, yeah, they don't, they, don't, um, they don't accept authority as, as, as much. And so, and that's very, you need to be mindful of that if you own a business. And if you are a boomer, you need to pay attention to that because there's a lot of power in it. Um, you know, if they have a, if they're working for a company or they have a financial advisor or they have a service provider they don't like and they're uncomfortable, they will move on. Mm-hmm. 
That's right. We tend to accept things a little bit longer than probably we should have, understanding the way this economy has shifted and that we have um, and that we have a choice. If something doesn't feel good, you should move on. You're in control of, of you know you're in control of that relationship. You know, Meredith, as you're saying that now, and as I look down at the list of the three items that we spoke about at the top of the hour, that mm-hmm. having a great attitude, that taking ownership, and developing relationships, that those are key elements to become the employees that every everyone's going to want to hire. Mm-hmm. Those have been informed by, I'm guessing now, but I think those have been informed by the the 20-something and the 30-something values, the willingness to move on, right. the, the knowing that if something's, you know, that we can ask for it, those kinds of things. I think that it's been an interesting, There might maybe that's the influence in here, part of the influence. I, 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 um, I agree. I, I mean, I, I definitely um, agree. And I think, you know, with the 20-somethings, the one place, though, where they um, – they struggle. They will. Um, they will definitely speak up. Um, but when I when I coach and I work with them, one place that they need help is um, is taking responsibility for learning and development, whether anybody else helps them or not. Okay, so that's and a key piece yeah. of it. Yeah, and boomers, boomers or above traditionalists are are incredible. I mean, you know, you could chain half of them. You could chain in a room and lock them down, and they'd still hit gold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, they, have, you know, they have they have blazoned on their brain that my parents are not going to pay the rent or my mortgage or raise right. my kids. So I have to succeed. Have to do it myself. <laughs> okay. On that note, we're going to have to wrap up. We have we have filled our hour quickly. MeredithElliottPowell.com. If you would like to learn more, please go to her website. And also you can find her book at Amazon, Winning in the Trust and Value Economy. Meredith, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show this morning. Thank you, Meredith. Thank you, Brian. And it has been great. I have really enjoyed it. It's been a great discussion. Okay, good. Thanks much. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Let's see. For next, our next episode, we're going to talk about couples and money. Is it possible for two people in a committed partnership to be happy and even joyful about their personal finances? We believe the answer is yes. Speaking clearly about money can be difficult for everyone. Concerns for the future, memories of past difficulties, and lack of knowledge about the actual numbers can sidetrack any attempt at financial conversations. But it doesn't have to be that way. We have some excellent, simple tools to help you and your partner create a positive relationship with money in your household. Join us as we share useful techniques and simple strategies to improve your conversations around money. I'm Brian Farr. Thank you for listening today. And I'm Ann Hutchins, and let's keep this conversation going because you have money in your life. Thank you for making Money in Your Life part of your financial plan this week. Please join your hosts, Ann Hutchins and Brian Farr, again next Friday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a great week.